0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Devo Tyndall. Devo is an extraordinary entrepreneur, holistic branding strategist, and content creator who redefines brand narratives with innovation and authenticity. After a thriving corporate career spanning over 15 years, Devo embarked on an audacious journey to rewrite the rules of branding through his own entrepreneurial venture. At Fusion Creative, he orchestrates a symphony of touch points, ensuring a cohesive and unforgettable journey for customers. Beyond his strategic acumen, Devo is a master storyteller and a master photographer, his holistic approach to branding captures hearts and minds, bridging the gap between imagination and execution. Welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now.
1: Hey, Brandy. How you doing? I love that fly intro. It actually looks like my old photography studio in Charlotte.
0: Oh, ah, very cool. Yeah, it is. It actually is done in one of those uh, like studio setups that photographers can rent out from the uh time, but it's here in Atlanta. So thank you. I appreciate it.
1: That's wild. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show.
0: I am excited to have you. Um, And, you know, I I, before we jump into why you're here, I always like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment I call buzzword banishment. So what is a buzzword that you'd like to get rid of forever?
1: That's a really good question. I I think for me, and I talk about this a lot in some of my branding workshops, the idea of what I call the authentic conundrum. So authenticity, in in the sense of how it's being applied, in people's efforts to become authentic, uh, in thought, inauthenticity actually shows itself.
0: Interesting. Um. Yeah. I'm I'm really curious on that one because I know. Authenticity and making sure that I show up, you know, the same as who I am in all environments is is something that's really important to me. And so, where do you see that people are like, how do you see it actually creating inauthenticity?
1: Well, it's an inherent paradox of displayed authenticity because, you know, proclaiming your authenticity. Authenticity, if you will, it, it often negates the the very true authenticity of itself. It's it's not lived, it's announced rather than. So if I was truly being authentic, I would not go on social media and announce that I'm being authentic and this is how (laughs) I'm living my authentic life, right? So I would truly, like, I sort of follow the ideas of, like, the ancient thinkers of, like, Lao Tzu or the Stoics. And, you know, Lao Tzu had a really cool quote, and this is something I live by. It's like, care about what other people think and you'll always be their prisoner. And so, you know, in, in an effort to be authentic, you're trying to display your authenticity to show other people how vulnerable and authentic you are. But it's a paradox because you are, if you're not careful by showcasing this, by trying to parade this around, you end up being inauthentic in, in the very nature of the word. Does that make sense?
0: Ah, it does. Okay. So I was, you know, I'm starting to get nervous for a second, but I don't talk about the authenticity. I actually uh, can say I have had people observe it. Like some of my friends have, you know, seen me in a work setting. And they're like, oh, you really do act the same at work as you do with us. And, and, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I was like, you know, I just I'm me all the time. Love it or hate it. And and, but I do see what you're saying, especially like in social media. I do see a lot of people like proclaiming their authentic self. um, And that is a little bit different versus just consciously living that.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a conscious subtlety, if you will, in authenticity in of itself. So emphasizing the need for subtlety all the time and showing authenticity through your actions. So showing up to serve and showing up to be the same way you are in the office as the same way you are in the grocery store and speaking to clerks and like being that same true version of yourself. If you're trying to parade that around and talk about it all the time, that how I'm this, I saw, I saw on Instagram, you referenced that there was a, a woman, and you may have seen this, but she was a, an influencer, which is another word I hate, but she's an influencer, and she was showing how authentic she was by caring about the environment, and she was cleaning up the beaches, and she was like and someone was filming this the entire time. And and you and I, we've seen this everywhere we go. It's like every restaurant you go, there's somebody showcasing something. And as soon as the camera turned off, someone else was filming her do this. She literally threw down her trash bag and just sort of like everything that she had picked up and then just walked off. And her entire post was like, how she cared about the environment and how she was genuine and authentic and you know, lecturing us and how we should be doing this. And it's like, by the very act of you trying to showcase your authenticity, you are inauthentic as they come because true, authentic- true authenticity does not need to be showcased. It's how you live your life. It's how you serve others. It's how you show up to provide value and all the different things that associate with that. It's not something you brag about.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm gonna... I'm going to table this because I could totally talk about (laughs) inauthenticity in in social media and the fakeness all day long. But now that we've gotten that off our chest, we can take a woo-saw. And I promise I will not talk about authenticity in our discussion today.
1: Well, we'll do another Uh, show for it. How about that?
0: Hey, I will take you up on that because I've got a lot of rants on that one. Uh, But... Now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me, what brings you to Revenue Rehab today?
1: So, well, first of all, I love your show, and I thought it'd be fantastic to come on and speak to your audience and have a conversation with you because I love the style and, and how you go about doing things. But I figure it might be fun to um, tackle a little bit around how to expand your brand and sort of the the paradigm that we run into with without turning into a, micromanage, a micromanagement monster and sort of like trying to scale your brand and be the Swiss Army knife and all the different pieces and subtleties and nuances that go into that.
0: Uh, awesome, yeah, and I know we're gonna talk a little brand. We're gonna talk a little career progression. Um, and so as we go into this conversation, I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus, it gives us purpose, and most important, our gives it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our discussion today. So what's your best hope for our talk? What would you like, you know, the heads of marketing that are listening to take away from our discussion?
1: in terms of the topic we just talked about?
0: Um, in terms of just in general, in your career progression, how that ties into brand, personal brand, running your business, all of the things, um, what would you like people to gain?
1: I think for me, uh, it's sort of a fine line. We're, we're, we're all trying to grow our businesses, whether you're a chief marketing officer or you're a CEO of, of a company, big or small, especially starting up as entrepreneurs, we have all this 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 eagerness to sort of grow our brand, and because because we're so we have because the idea is ours, we have this inherent paradox where we feel like we have to do everything ourselves instead of trying to find people who can fill the roles. And I understand, you know, you're strapped with cash early on, but there are all sorts of creative ways where you can implement other people to help you out with the things that are not in your wheelhouse. And so, trying to turn turn into growing your business so that you're not working for your business versus running your business would be would be the paradox i'd like to discuss and kind of solve
0: Awesome. So before we dive in there, I want to back up a little bit and let's just talk about how you got to where you are. So I know that you started your career in a corporate environment Mm -hmm. um, and then at some point you have shifted to launch your business. Um, And so talk a little bit about that progression and, and, you know, how your career grew and how you got to the point where you said, you know what, it's time for me to go out on my own.
1: Well, I I went straight out of college, straight into the corporate world, just because I didn't have any other context to do anything other than that. No one had ever spoken to me about and it's no excuse. You know, I, I'm ultimately responsible for my life, but I never had any mentors or anything of that nature. And in college, they don't teach you a damn thing about becoming an entrepreneur. They just want you to work for the corporate machine and go into that space and critical thinking. All those things are sort of like frowned upon. So I, I fell into that trap of just going straight into corporate America. And I had a fantastic job and uh, paid was paid a lot of money. And I loved the Everything that I learned from it, I have no regrets because everything that I learned in that capacity, I was able to carry into my role as an entrepreneur and a CEO of my own brands. And so, um, but I did that for almost 15 years. But throughout all 15 of those years, I sort of always had this gnawing, I always had this gnawing sensation that I just was unfulfilled. And at first I just thought I was like ADHD around, you know, I was going to do something. I was going to be building something or trying something because I've always had that nature of, of entrepreneurial spirit. I just didn't know it was entrepreneurialism. Um, and then I started realizing that there were different ways to get to the goals that I wanted to accomplish. And they, they were not working for someone else. They were building something on my own. And, and so then and roughly around 2006, I really started thinking about ways that I could take what I was really good at all the lessons that I had learned in the corporate world, and then transpose those and transfer those into my own business ventures. And so that's kind of where that quest began.
0: I love that, because I do think at varying points in our careers, we all have those moments of what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> uh, no matter what age, you know, we are, you you always have that what's next sort of uh, thing. And, you know, for me, I had that same pivot point, um, where I recognized that like the corporate path I was on wasn't what I wanted. And I had been an entrepreneur before um, and I thought that was what I wanted. And I recognized that there were a number of pieces of being an entrepreneur that I didn't like, like didn't want to do. And so that was where I found consulting because it removed me from that traditional corporate life um, and gave me, you know, uh, being with a smaller agency or consultancy it gave me that entrepreneurial vibe and, and I found that balance. And so I think we all have those key points where we're like, what's next? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the main reasons that I wanted to talk to you is I know that a lot of heads of marketing you know, get to that point. Do they want to become a CEO? Do they want to go into a fractional role? Do they want to do something completely different. Um, and entrepreneurship and moving into that space is something that I have seen, especially since the pandemic, a number of heads of marketing you know, have chosen kind of the same path that you have to gain more of that fulfillment. And so I'm really excited to just hear about that and some of the pitfalls and how that ties in to, you know, brand and your personal brand and all all these things. And so when you decided to make that leap in going from corporate into owning your own business, what was that like? What were some of the, you know, key, like, where did you see success? Where did you see challenges?
1: It, it's a great question, and, and mine was a slow matriculation. I did not cease cease fire all at once, and I did that very purposefully, because you know, really, it's it, it's great to to have these aspirations and visions to become an entrepreneur, and it sounds really good on paper, and it looks really good it looks really good in your mind's eye when you first start thinking about, hey, I can go out here and change the world. I've got this grand, fantastic, audacious idea, but if you don't have a structure in place in order to a plan in place in order to build this little empire that you're setting out to build then you're you're just setting yourself up for failure and so i didn't really know how to build that empire i knew that i had some skill sets outside of working for a corporate venture i knew that i had this autonomous nature in the sense that i wanted to build something on my own but i didn't really know how to go about doing that and so for me it was really taking a hard reflection on what i was really good at what I loved doing and how could I add some value to the world? Like what problems was, was I going to be solving for other people? And for me at that time, really the, the most tangible asset that I had is I was a really good photographer. I'm very artistic and I'm also very pragmatic. So I have, I've been blessed with sort of a, a nice balance between left and right. And, um, you know, I, I'm not really sure where that came from, but. Nonetheless, I've had a camera in my hand since I was 12 years old. And so I was like, you know, I'm really good at taking photographs. I'm really good at connecting with people. And I'm really good at sort of like, sort of the, the ideation around that space, the creativity. And so I would do my nine to five and then I would come home and I would, I was volunteering myself as a photographer, anyone and everyone. I did an apprenticeship for another photographer. I would I carried his equipment around for him. I showed up and just literally was like his, his, basically I was his apprentice. And so um, I did that for several years until I really started figuring out a model where I could charge for my own services. And then, as soon as I got to the point where I felt comfortable enough that I could charge a decent enough a decent amount, enough money that I could actually make some revenue off of this, that's when I said, okay, I'm ready to I'm ready to cut the strings, the umbilical cord, and just kind of jump into the sand,
0: okay. So let's fast forward a bit. Um, I know that, uh, just from some of our conversations prior to today, that one of the things that you discovered was the, you know, where you spend your time is a challenge, and and it's working for the business versus in the business. And so, anytime I'm talking about next steps in career, I, I like to really. Go into things, you know, eyes wide open around like what should you be considering if you're thinking about this as a path? So I'd love to hear you talk more about your experience and challenges around, you know, how your time gets spent once you become an entrepreneur.
1: That's a mouthful. So I think that's an iterative process, and it's probably unique and different for every entrepreneur and every CEO. And and, and depending upon the industry and the service that you're providing and the value that you're that you're providing, it it, it it's it's going to take some time to really figure out how you can best show up in this capacity and and for me I did not figure this out right away. I thought early on in, in, in my career that because I was the CEO and because this was my craft and this was my idea that you know I'm, I'm pretty talented I'm very efficient and those sorts of things that I'm just gonna be able to handle everything and, and and I was able to handle everything but when you're when you're in a capacity of trying to grow your brand, and you're not seeking outside help for people to do the things that can sort of fill up the minutia of the business you sort of get into this micromanagement role of of just working for your business and i was putting in some crazy hours and i'm not i'm not to say that you're you, you have as an as an entrepreneur starting a business it's not to say that you can just sort of like hey i can hire this person this person this person but there are creative and unique ways especially in today's market through fiverr through upwork through all sorts of different contract labor types of positions, virtual assistants, all this sort of things where you can kind of hand off some of the things that are really bogging you down. And so for me, it was really sitting down and taking a look over time and being self-aware about the experiences that I was having and realizing that I was literally burying myself in an inordinate amount of work that I could that was shackling, to, shackling me to my business. And I wasn't able to focus on going out there and growing the business and as i as you said at the outset i was literally working for my brand i wasn't growing my brand and I, and and it wasn't until i sort of realized that there are things within my business that are my that are in my wheelhouse the things that i'm really really good and powerful about and and then started realizing here's a list of things that i don't really enjoy doing so much that i'm not that good at and that are really just sort of Clogging up the wheel. And so I started handing those off to different people and hiring them in a contract capacity. And that's when really my creativity just bloomed at that point.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really great point and a great lesson, even if you don't choose to become an entrepreneur, because even, you know, thinking about being at the seed level, there are so many places that you are pulled in different directions. I think that challenge exists as well. You have the things that you're really good at that are really valuable. For you know the organization, and then you have those other things that tend to suck up all your time that are not necessarily the best use of time, but they kind of gotta get done. And so that does become an opportunity, whether it is to you know onboard staff or to your point to outsource. In you know, and there's tons of different ways depending on the size of the the company. Um, so I do think that that is is really key. Um, and just because I know that your background is so heavy in marketing, um, I'd also like to get some thoughts, you know, around what do you feel it takes to really grow that brand? I know that was one of the the key points that you made at the beginning is that's, that's something you're passionate about and a problem you'd like to solve.
1: Yeah, before I answer that, I, your point is really strong, and I think it should be reiterated that whether you're an entrepreneur, uh, or you're a small business owner, or you have a, a staff of three, or you've got a staff of 100, as the, as the head of that department, or the CEO of that company, or the chief marketing officer of that company, your job is, it, it sort of becomes a, a situation of empowerment over oversight. And, and your job is to encourage other people, find leaders in your business, or find other skill sets in your business, and empower them with a sense of autonomy rather than micromanaging and trying to do it yourself. Because what happens is when you can empower other people and get them involved in the process, they become owners in that process, right? And that's when innovation and that's and that's when innovation occurs and that's when progress occurs because you have other people that are supporting your cause. And so if you can get your team involved in that, what's what's the big vision of where we're trying to go and not trying to micromanage you're gonna see, you're gonna compound the growth of your business. So yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah.
0: No, it, it definitely does. Um, so, and I'm glad you interjected that uh, as I was transitioning to talking about brand. So now I'll, I'll come and bring it back and let you talk about some of your tips and thoughts around growing a brand and some of the challenges that exist there.
1: So in terms of growing your brand, again, the foundation for me and anything that I've ever done once I learned this skill set was having a foundation in of itself and being very, very crystal clear on what it is that you're bringing to the world. So whether you're an entrepreneur or you're running a corporation, it, it doesn't really matter. The, the philosophy is still the same. If you if you're not crystallized on what your brand's value is and what your brand's message is, what do you do? Why do you do it? How do you do it? And, and what problem are you solving for your buyer, or for your audience, whomever it is, whether you're an influencer or whether you're a, a customer service industry or you have a product, whatever it is making sure that you as the ceo of the company are very crystal clear on what that is and then sharing that vision that brand message with your team with anyone who's helping you support that because what happens is when you're crystallized on that that becomes your north star you understand why you're in business what problem you're solving who you seek to serve and how you're going to go how you're going to go about doing that and then What happens in turn is when you crystallize that for yourself, you have this North Star, you know how to get there. Your audience that you're trying to sell this service to, they're very crystal clear on what it is that you're doing. And what happens is is that fine tunes who your buyer is. It really enables you to sort of find the right type of person that you want to do work with the the right type of person that problem you want to solve. And, and there's a bunch of different ways you can go about doing that. Um, For me, it's just, there, there are processes that we have in place that we share with our clients. Um, But, you know, these are things that you can sit down with your team and and develop yourself.
0: Um, I like that. Like the, the foundation of a brand I think is, is really key. And sharing that it's interesting to me, what I see in businesses of all sizes is The person that owns the brand which is generally the head of marketing they tend to be crystal clear on it they're the ones that have been a part of the positioning and messaging and either they wrote it or they were a part of the exercises but it doesn't always seem like that trickles down Um, and so i think you hit on a really key point there in sharing that vision with everyone that's involved and for small companies that includes sharing that vision With those, you know, contractors or people that you're outsourcing to, if it's a larger company, you know, the teams that you employ, like really making sure that everyone is on the same page. I think that that's exactly like you hit the nail on the head, that that is what makes for a great brand and makes it crystal clear for the audience what it is, you know, that you're able to solve for them or provide to them. um, And therefore, the business comes along with that.
1: Yeah, well, just think about it from a a common metaphor, sports, for example. If you don't have everybody tied in to what it is you're trying to accomplish for the season or everyone on your team is not on the same page and you've got different people going in didactic directions – you're gonna have polarity across the board. You're not gonna have a clear, succinct value proposition of what everyone's trying to build towards. And so if you can get people involved early on in the process to help build what that value proposition is, what that foundation looks like, like we talked about at the outset, if if you're vested in a process whether you're a, a line employee or or you're a CEO or your marketing team if you have everybody involved in what the vision is for the company the problems that you're solving and how you seek to serve and show up in, in your little you know your little environment then you have everybody sort of working towards the same north star
0: yeah that's a really great point point. and a question i meant to ask earlier that i, I just thought about again in your corporate days, did you work primarily with smaller organizations, enterprises? Like, where does your experience sit? Um, and then based on your answer, I'll know how I want to phrase my next question.
1: Well, I had the the luxury of being selected one of two people in the entire world, if I can brag for a second, into an executive development program in my company. So I was for for one whole year, I was literally bounced around the country. And I was put in every single division of the company to work for a stint of time. So I was exposed to everything from manufacturing to creation to technology. And, and, and when I got into the marketing and the branding world, that's when I really fell in love. I was like, this is my space because I loved building things. I loved working with people. I love connecting with audiences, but I also got to implement, implement my creativity and my business, um, my desire to be in business. And so my company was a, I was, uh, we were a banking, in, in the banking industry. And I, so I got the, the opportunity to work with both internal clients, so in internal division stuff for projects, as well as external clients. So I, I was on both sides of the fence. Um, and that's okay. when I really kind of fell in love with the branding and the whole marketing disposition.
0: Okay, so thinking about that experience, where you've, you know, been with a larger organization, had larger teams, how does that compare to how you as a leader show up and operate now that you're an entrepreneur? Because I know that's one of the things I was just thinking about listening to you in, you know, going back to that career shift of moving into entrepreneurship. That's something that I think that a lot of people don't necessarily think about, especially if most of your corporate experience is with larger entities,
1: well, the the work the work is different, the output is different, the volume is different, the revenue is different, but the core philosophies really stay the same. Whether you're managing a hundred people, or you're managing two, so you have to sort of run that fine bound, fine line and that fine balance between empowering leadership versus overbearing leadership. You, you still have to find and recruit impact players for your team, people who can add value to the team and, and finding talent that can not only fulfill a role, but also significantly help drive that company's vision forward. You still have to deal with the integration of new hires and making sure that you're seamlessly integrating people into the processes and, and making sure that the culture and the, and the workflow still works without maximum disruption. You still have to be able to delegate, and you most importantly still have to be able to find people. So you've gone, you've gone through all those steps to find these people to help you out, whether again it's a hundred or five. You still have to be able to trust them. You're hiring them to do a job. So it's our job to find, like I said, impactful people that can do something and then teach them the skill set. I'd rather find people who are trustworthy, reliable, communicative, and and go getters that are less skilled at something. And be able to train them on that and trust them on that and give them the power and and the investment to sort of grow into that position Than going out and finding somebody who's like an expert in their field and this is all they've ever done i'd rather train somebody to fill a role that you can really trust that are good people and so again for me the philosophies don't change it's 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 measuring impact without micromanaging it's it's having this sort of leadership mind shift that you're here to help grow a business run your business and find people to help you support that as opposed to sort of like working for your business and micromanaging the people that are in that space
0: yeah and definitely with you in that i would prefer to hire for those things that are not teachable um Mm -hmm. because like you know teaching people is a part of what i do on a day-to-day so the skill set is the easy part but you're right like Someone that's got the dedication, the motivation, you know, being trustworthy and resourceful. I I definitely prefer that as well. And then it's also really rewarding when you see those people grow in their role and really start to master it. And it also creates some loyalty as well because you're investing in the person and their career growth and i think you know again whether you're an entrepreneur or leading a team in a large organization like that's also a great lesson and takeaway there as well
1: yeah i did some psychological work with a with a company a few years ago on on promoting and enabling growth within your company and you know one of the key takeaways from that entire exercise was you know all of these different studies and and data around if, if you have a staff that's working for you, they're more empowered by encouragement and being part of the process, the growth process of the company, as opposed to just giving them a flat out bonus check. And so, you know, that goes back to that cultural fit versus the skill set fit that you're looking for. So, you know, if you're just looking for people that are gonna be automatons and just doing, a, you know, a, a routine set of, of, of minutia-based tasks, that's a different conversation. But if you're looking for people who are gonna be invested and vested in your business to help you grow that, physically, emotionally, psychologically, you, you have to be able to find people that are a good cultural fit for you so that you can help them grow into that space. And then the rewards are compounded because through that process, they become vested in what you're doing and invested in the business. And that's just, that's a, that's a recipe for success.
0: Uh, I agree completely. Um, And, you know, talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the client, uh, the therapist gives the client some homework. But here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. And so thinking about the heads of marketing out there that are listening if they are you know, seeing some light in your career journey and, and moving into the entrepreneurial space and, and really being able to own and grow a brand, if that sounds like it may be a good next step for them, what would be your one thing? What is the action item that you would encourage them to take? Um, In figuring out if that's the right path or moving in that direction, Uh, I always like to leave people with an action item if the conversation resonates with them.
1: So the question is, if I'm interested in making a jump from one position to another, what's the first thing that or what's the what's the greatest takeaway to consider for that?
0: Yeah, if they're looking to follow your footsteps.
1: I think you need to be very crystal clear on what problem do you seek to solve in the world and how can you best show up to serve in that capacity? Because if you're if you have this audacious idea and you've figured out, you know, all the different pieces and the subtleties and nuances of that, but you're only doing that because you're looking for a profit or you're looking for revenue, then that's going to be going back to our authentic. That's going to very quickly show its its ugly head early on in your process. But if you can change the paradigm around this is who I am, this is what I'm really good at, this is what really makes me happy at the end of the day, and this is the problem that I hope to solve with the world, then you're going to be very crystal clear on what it is that you're going to be able to do. And how. And then figuring out how to scale that, that's a different conversation. But if you have the foundation in place, all of these pieces can be solved through through a bunch of different ways in growing a business.
0: Uh, I, I agree completely there. And I love when an action item is uh, self-reflection, because I do believe when looking for almost any change, uh, reflecting on yourself, what you want, what your intentions are, is, is a great, great place to start there.
1: And, and I'd like to add one more piece of that. You have to be open to learning and you have to be open to feedback because you know there's always somebody who knows a little bit more than you do there's always somebody who has a little bit more knowledge there's always someone who has a little bit more success and so you have to realize that just because you set out on this path to build something there might be alternative ways as you get into the journey of that and understand that the process is part of the journey and so when you're in the space be open and receptive to learning be open and receptive to feedback and as you just said brilliant point take some time to reflect all the time. What's working? What's not working? How can I tweak it? Why is it not working? Understand why things operate the way they do and why they work and why they don't work, and then develop a strategy and a plan to adapt to that.
0: I love it. Um, Well, Devo, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. But Before we go, how can our audience stay connected with you and, you know, given that you are an entrepreneur, definitely give us the shameless plug on what Fusion Creative does as well.
1: So thank you for that opportunity. So we are a branding and marketing agency, and I call us a holistic branding and marketing agency. And and what I mean by that is, we help brands reshape what their foundation should look like as they build their business, whether you're trying to scale something, or you're trying to grow a new business, or you're just launching a new business. We teach you how to build that foundation from the the initial get-go. And then what happens next is we take that foundation that we've established for you, and then through a holistic set of of, of efforts, we help you amplify that and share that message and connect with the right buyer. So whether that's social media management, digital marketing, paid advertising, website design, content creation, photography, video marketing, all of the things that exist within the ethos of your branding, marketing business journey, we now offer for for our clients. And so that's what I mean by the holistic approach. And if you want more information on that, you can find us on our website at FusionCreativeBranding.com.
0: Awesome. Well, we will make sure to link uh, to your LinkedIn and also to fusion creative. Um, And then I also know that you have a podcast as well. So I, I love when as a podcaster, I can talk to other podcasters. So what is your podcast
1: before i talk about the podcast one last thing i do offer a complimentary 15 minute sort of deep dive into your current branding and marketing methods so if you wanted to schedule that with me we literally jump on a phone call i look at all of your di- different channels i look at your website I look at your social media we have a quick conversation on all the things that are working and not working and then we make some feedback and some some, some suggestions for you to some make some immediate changes into your branding and marketing so you can find that out on our website um in terms of the podcast, it's called Unlearn Everything. And it is a deep dive down a rabbit hole of shaking the foundation of everything we've been taught. Because, you know, whether you agree or disagree, one of the things that I've learned through my 40-some years on this planet is literally everything that we've been taught, there is a different version of that that exists, whether it be the way we our history exists, whether it be the psychology of how life is, literally everything. And so we invite fantastic people who are doing some amazing things in that paradigm shift. And we go down the rabbit hole with them and we discover how they have discovered a different alternative way of thinking about something towards achieving a solution in their life to make everyone just live their best life, I guess.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I really like that concept because I think just in general, as people We so often just get stuck in what we learned and how we learned it. And you know, just a a random aside, like I grew up, Thanksgiving for us was 50 plus people, you know, and I mean, like the kids used to like sit on top of the washing machine. Like it was like everybody was at my great grandma's house and there was a million of us. And I thought that was normal. And then I went to college and couldn't go home one year. And so a friend who, you know, lived locally, because I went 12 hours from home. So a friend who lived like 45 minutes from college was like, oh, you can come to Thanksgiving with me. And I was like, oh, great. We go over there. It's her mom, her dad, her two siblings, her and me. There's six of us around a regular old table. And I'm like, when do the rest of the people get here? And she's <laughs> where's like, the
1: noise and chaos?
0: <laughs> right. I was. She was like, what rest of the people? I was like, it's just. Us. And that was so like foreign to me that like it just it blew my mind. Something so simple is the number of people. And so like that's an example of how we all learn different things as what is normal or the best or, you know, all these sorts of things. But there are so many other perspectives. So mm-hmm. I love that you are bringing light to that because I do think critical thinking is important, and the only way to really think critically is to have other perspectives of a different way. Um, So we will definitely link to the podcast as well, um, because I support the movement to definitely, you know, unlearn and and relearn different ways of doing
1: things. Your story is fantastic and really resonates. I'm one of 12 children. I have 11 brothers and sisters, and so our holidays are quite a scene in of themselves so i'm totally familiar with that i'm actually going to be out in colorado with 11 of them and they all have kids they're all married and so there's going to probably be that 50 count at our at our christmas holiday gathering this year so we'll have to swap some stories
0: for us it was just all the sub families came together at my great grandma's house so it was like three generations did thanksgiving under one roof whereas most people it is just parents kids You know, like and so, yeah, it was just really and I've had so many of those things where, you know, I grew up a certain way. And to me, that was like normal. And then you talk to other people and it's like, wait, everybody didn't do that. Uh, (laughs) um, But thank you so, so much for joining me. I definitely have enjoyed our conversation. We'll have to have you back again because I think we've got a number of things that we can uh, continue to chat about.
1: I would love that. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to your audience and and for enjoying this time with you.
0: Awesome. Well, I can't believe we're at the end. I hope you have enjoyed my conversation with Devo. Until next time, see you then. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at revenuerehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.